Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Welcome back. It's episode 46. So that's pretty exciting that we're still plowing forward. So appreciate all the listeners. If if you're first time listening, there's basically two show formats that we do. Uh, This episode would be a solo episode so that I can dive pretty deep on areas of like finance, tax, wealth management, whatever the topic of the day is, we can go fairly deep and give you action steps and, you know, you can take notes uh, where, and then we also have guest episodes where we bring on experts in areas that, that I do not have expertise in. So it might be uh, sales, marketing, or they're just a, a fitness coach that has really succeeded in a certain area and we're going to talk about it. So today's a solo episode and we're going to really dive into the details of what's required for an LLC. And now uh, I do want to disclaim, I'll probably say this multiple times throughout this episode. Uh, this is not legal advice. I am not a lawyer. I am a certified financial planner. I'm an enrolled agent, which is a tax advisor. Enrolled agent is a designation uh, awarded by the, the highest designation awarded by the IRS. But I am not a lawyer and this is not legal advice. And when we're talking about LLCs, those are a legal entity. And I'll dive into some of the differences real briefly between LLCs and sole proprietorships, things like that. But again, I do not, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is in the legal realm, but this is not legal advice. Again, I'm just telling you what you should be talking to a lawyer about. And you'll also also talk about why I don't agree with a lot of times my colleagues who are not lawyers will form LLCs. And you'll see why I don't like that through some of the things that you should make sure you're doing if you are uh, an LLC. And I'll start at the basics. An LLC, I probably should not just call them LLCs. They're limited liability companies. And so what you need to do. So let's take a step back for those listening who uh, may be brand new to business or just not familiar with the different types of entities. So I want to do this real briefly. There's basically three or four different ones that types of entities you could have. Uh, the first one's a sole proprietorship and you essentially are not a legal entity. You are operating out of your social security number. And so that's most people like you start up your business. You're, you basically just start running a business. Like you maybe have your first client come to you and say, Hey, help me lose weight. And you know you didn't necessarily plan to be a business, but now you're getting paid to help people advise. You're, for all intents and purposes, in the eyes of the IRS, you're now a business owner. You don't need to be a legal entity. So that's a sole proprietorship. Again, when you report your taxes, it's all on your social. Then you have an LLC. 
And if you're a one-member LLC, the IRS calls that a disregarded entity. So you might have heard that term before. And all that really means is you have a, le a legal entity, the LLC, but for tax purposes, you're identical to the person who is a sole proprietorship. And this is why I tell people, especially if they're new to business, you don't need an LLC. Like if people are out there pushing that you need one, that let me just tell you they're wrong. You don't need it. There's a lot of advantages to it, but especially if you're just starting out, why incur the cost? You know, I'm recording this. I live in Vegas for those who don't know, and Nevada has a lot of advantages, but the formation and annual maintenance costs on an LLC is not one of them. It's expensive to have an LLC here compared to a lot of other states. So if you're brand new in business and trying to keep your costs down as you ramp up your revenue, maybe you don't want to spend what it's going to cost in places like Nevada, California, stuff without some of the more expensive business states. And then you're going to have other entities like partnerships, which a lot of times those are LLCs, which is more than one member. So I'm not going to dive into that, but that just I just want to give you the basics. And then the one that you will hear me talk about a lot, <coughs> excuse me, that is an S corporation. Now, for all intents and purposes, an, an S corporation is more of a tax status than an entity. And there's, and that's because all S corporations are either LLCs taxed as an S corporation or a C corporation taxed as an S corporation. So I'm not going to dive into the weeds on that. That's going to have some slightly different asset protection from an LLC versus a C corp, but that's at the state level. You have to talk to an attorney, but for all, from my perspective as a tax advisor, the S corporation is often an LLC taxed as an S corp. And so there's tax advantages to it, but we're still operating out of an LLC. Again, today we're going to talk about the LLC specifically because I think like questions I get and from talking to people, the problem is, especially with companies like LegalZoom, sorry if you can hear that, my next door neighbor, they need to oil their door or something because it's it drives me insane. Uh, maybe the noise cancellation, you guys can't hear it, but every time my neighbor in my office opens their door, it's loud and squeaky. Anyway, um, so I don't know if you could he even heard that, but I felt the need to explain it. So the... Uh, um, it's lost on train of thought too. Oh, so the problem that I have or that I see in the marketplace, especially in the fitness industry is there's legal zoom and people trying to save costs and they just go ahead and grab these LLCs and they'll be like, Oh, I I've had it for years and we'll come to find why that's not really good. So again, I cannot emphasize enough. This is not legal advice, but let's dive in. So the problem is there's a number of things that are required. So let me step back and tell you why you even give a shit because an LLC versus a sole proprietorship, as we discussed, there's no tax advantage to it. Again, you have no, if there's no tax strategy that you can do in an LLC that you can't do in a sole proprietorship. Again, the tax strategies come when you're an S corp, but a hundred thousand dollars of profit in an LLC, a one member LLC and a hundred thousand dollars in a sole proprietorship. No difference. 
the tax forms get filled out the exact same way by your accountant. It's all in Schedule C. So don't let anybody talk you into an, an LLC to save you taxes because that's bullshit. But what they do is asset protection. Now, again, not legal advice, just to be aware, it's one-way asset protection. Here's what I mean by that. So you have your LLC and something terrible happens in the business to a client, let's say. Let's say you gave some advice on doing a squat and they got severely injured and they sue you. They can sue the entity if you have it. If you have an LLC, they can sue just the entity. If you're a sole proprietorship, again, there's no asset protection there. They could sue you, the person. So if something happens in the business, they can't come after, and you have an LLC, they can't come after your personal assets. It's contained inside of the business. Now, again, I I call it a one-way street. I shouldn't say I call it that. It's called that. It's a one-way street because you are protected from the actions of your business. The business is not protected from the actions of you. So again, in that scenario, you uh, give a client advice that doesn't that goes poorly and they get injured. They can sue the business. They can't sue you. Conversely, you're in the gym and you start a fight with somebody and they get injured. That's not the business. That's you. They can come and sue your the assets of the business. Because you are the owner and you personally are liable for what just happened. And so uh, I hope that's clear. Like the actions of you are not going to protect your business, but the actions of your business can protect you if you're using an LLC in that scenario. But so that's the whole point. Again, since we already established there's no tax advantage to be in an LLC, it's an asset advantage. So if you have assets, an LLC will protect you. Another reason why, if you're like when people are just starting out in business and they ask, like, should I be an LLC? Especially if you're like right out of college or didn't you're right out of high school and now you have this business. If you have no assets or maybe you have negative assets because you have student loan debt or a car payment, whatever it is, like maybe you have negative net worth, which is pretty common for people just starting out in business, then maybe an LLC is no urgency because. God forbid something happened in the business. Not a lot of lawyers like to sue people (laughs) that have a negative net worth if there's no assets there. So that's just an overview on why you might consider an LLC if you don't already have one or why if you don't have one, you should not feel compelled to run out and get one if you're not at that level where it, it makes sense. Now, again, there's some, I guess I could say marketing, but there's some professional reasons that you would want it. You know, maybe when you're out there talking to people about your fitness business, it makes you more professional or makes you feel more professional that, you know, that you're giving them the name with an LLC and they're, they're paying you into a business bank account. Like there's a lot of professional reasons why you want it. Taxes don't like wag the tail all the time or wag the dog, forget the, the term there, but But you get the point. Like, there's a lot of professional reasons why it makes sense to move there, but it's not. If from a business perspective, if you're saying, "Well, I just want to make sure I save taxes," and I was told an LLC is going to save me taxes, 
which is a common thing to hear from people that give you advice when they don't know what they're talking about. So let's dive into the issue again. Well, the, the whole purpose here is you don't want to just start having an LLC, checking the box saying, I'm an LLC. I have all the protections and cool features that Pat just talked about. Well, slow down because again, if depending on who did this for you, then you might not have what you think. So again, I've established why you want it against that asset protection. So now if you're going to be the, an LLC, you got to act like an LLC. You're a business. You're a business. Now you got to treat it like a business. So now here's a few things that you're going to actually need to have. And these may vary state to state, but here's like an overview of what you want to have. So again, if you're, you did this yourself, you might go back and look and you don't have these things. So you would need to have an art, your articles of incorporation. So whatever that looks like in your specific state, you need to, again, this is one of the reasons I highly advise people to, when they're ready to get this done, they get it done by a qualified lawyer. And I say qualified lawyer because I think people rope lawyers together for better or worse. So they'll be like, oh, my friend does, is a lawyer. I'll ask them to do it. But if they're not a business attorney, like not a corporate attorney, or they work with small businesses, this may not be what they do all the time. So they can sure they can go on to the websites and just get you what you need. But that may not be everything you need. So you need your articles of incorporation. You need your operating agreement. You know, even if you're just that, that the operating agreement, I feel like gets left behind a lot. One, because I think they charge a little bit more for it on LegalZoom. But also you're like, well, why do I need an operating agreement? It's just me. Like I'm a one member LLC. But again, this is for asset protection. So in the event that something terrible happens and you get sued, again, it's not legal advice. I'm just telling you the way it works. The opposing attorneys, their job is to find a way to make your LLC bullshit and say, hey, look, this isn't this. They weren't really running like a business. So then judge, let me go after their assets. And so it's your job to tr be like, hey, I wasn't just playing business. I'm in business. And so that's what you are going to prove with all of these things. So again, you keep on record your articles of incorporation. You have your operating agreement that's just for you. Again, your lawyer makes this operating agreement for you. You gonna you have annual fees that are paid to the state, and these need to be renewed every year. So you might have an LLC, but maybe your accountant made this for you years ago. Is it still valid in your state? You have to check because these are, again, you have to pay these fees every year. So you don't just have to create an LLC. You have to maintain your LLC. And so the next one on that list is uh, meeting minutes. Now, I'm not going to dive into this each state because a lot of times at the LLC level, people will say that you don't need to have meeting minutes. And again, you can talk to a lawyer on that. But here's my opinion on it. And this is an opinion that I've gotten from lawyers. So again, I'm not claiming to be a legal expert by any means. But since it's sort of quote unquote optional to do meeting minutes in, in some states, 
My question is, why wouldn't you want to do it? Because it, it, one, it strengthens your argument that you're running this like a real business. Like even if it's by yourself, you do your annual meeting minutes. And if you're a client of mine, you get a template on, on how to do this and some questions that you should be asking or writing down the answers to. But the, the other advantage to this, if you want to, if we need to make it a self-serving conversation is you get to write off where you have these meeting minutes. So if you sit down by yourself, like I did a new year's in Sedona, Arizona last year, 2021, I sat down by myself at dinner and deducted the dinner as I filled out my meeting minutes and wrote down. So again, you kind of feel weird. Like you're just talking to yourself in theory. Obviously I wasn't talking. I was typing, but you're answering questions about the business. Like, what did you do? Like, what did you change? Who was, who is different in the business? Like if you have board of advisors, like who'd you add, who'd you subtract? What did you create a 401k? Did you close a 401k? Did you whatever? Like there, there's 20 or 30 things that you'll probably want to like make a note of. And I just PDF it. And now it's in my records. And I do that every single year. And you could do it too. Again, you don't need to be an S corp to start doing your meeting minutes. And again, especially like I said, if, if you're going somewhere, you know, that, that for me, it validated that night of the hotel for me as well, because that was my meeting minutes with myself in Sedona. So from my perspective, there's no downside to doing it. You're making your business more legitimate, but also on top of that, you're giving yourself a reason to write things off legitimately. Again, like when you write off something for dinner outside of like the, the things that come on the receipt, like where you went, how much it was or the, and the date, then you also need to write what's the business purpose and who was there. So you write the business purpose is my annual minutes. And I write Pat Darby. You obviously probably put a different name, but, but so that's, that's valuable from both the business liability protection side. And now you have some more tax planning strategies because you know, you're going to have to eat dinner somewhere along the line. Probably if you are listening to this and you have a spouse, another reason, you know, if they're part of your board advisors, you know, another way to turn a personal meal into a legitimate business expense. So meeting minutes that, that covers that. So again, those are part, like the last two that I named, the fees and the meeting minutes, those are annual. And you're not like changing your articles of incorporation, you're operating annually, but those two you need to. You need to keep that maintained each and every year. So you have to ask yourself, if you're an LLC and you it was created for you however many years ago, you have to ask yourself that question. Am I still even valid? You have to check with the state to make sure you're up to date. Maybe you owe them back fees or maybe they closed your LLC already because they'll do that on their own if you are delinquent on your fees. So, but maybe you just need to, you need to check with your state and or a lawyer there because your LLC may have already been closed. Next is you are not. So again, we're going to try to look at this from the framework of if you got sued, the lawyer would, the next thing they would check is like, are they commingling funds? Because you can't do that. You can't pay for personal things out of the business. That's commingling funds. And a lawyer would want to be like, well, and you're, oh, sorry. So 
the other term you would be thinking of is piercing the corporate veil. So that's what you often hear when people say, don't commingle funds. So again, if you're out at the grocery store buying personal groceries for your family, don't grab your corporate card and swipe it because that is a violation of the commingling funds we said. But again, this is, this is also why when people are new, like, and this is one of the things that we help with is like, we're just started your business in terms of like, you have an LLC now, all that you should be using a separate bank account. Now, again, once you're an LLC, one of the things that you should do is start opening business bank accounts because once you have your LLC, you have a tax ID number, which is the EIN identification number. So you want to use that one because now you're able to, you want to start these business bank accounts because that EIN is going to start to establish its own credit score. And that's a good thing. So make sure that you are now using your business bank account, using your business credit card, using your business debit card exclusively for business use. And on top of that, again, we'll, we'll keep adding these little hacks. Like again, like the meeting minutes, like the, the hack is you get tax planning. The hack here is that it's free bookkeeping. You know, when you're just starting out or if you're trying to work on relatively low expenses, you can save yourself from having professional bookkeeping by not, by just keeping things super organized. Again, when you're out at a restaurant, you know, it's personal. So you don't use your personal cards, but you, or sorry. Yeah. You don't use your business cards. Sorry. Whereas when you are using the uh, business expense, you are then at the point of sale using a business credit card, business debit card. So that way at the end of the year, even if you're doing your bookkeeping yourself, you have everything all in one place. So if you have to go back at the end of the year for your accountant, it's all right there. And again, so that's like the basics of, even if you're a sole proprietorship, you should be doing that. Just it would be with personal cards, personal bank accounts that are under your social, but you're using them exclusively for business. Again, that's not an asset protection thing. That's just a tax planning thing. You you don't need, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that bookkeeping professionally done, but if you're just getting started and you just formed your LLC and maybe you're not making enough that you want to outsource bookkeeping yet, then that's a super easy way to do it. You just keep all of it in the business. And again, from a legal perspective, you're not commingling funds anymore. So it's a win-win there. Tax strategy, legal strategy, and it just saves you money even from a bookkeeping perspective. And along that those lines, again, we just talked about now you have your EIN, so you want to have those business bank accounts, not your personal bank accounts. You need to use the again, this is this is part of what's required. It's not it's not just a hack anymore. You have to use the business. So if you have affiliates that you're working with, you need to give them the EIN number. Don't have them pay your social. And that also, again, since I add a little hack to everything, you from fraud perspective, you want to limit the amount of people who have your social. So now you get to go to your affiliates and all the all the people that you are uh, 
going to collect revenue from, and you can now give them your EIN, your LLC's EIN number, which again is your tax ID for the business. So it eliminates the amount of people who have your personal social. So you go back to your, your PayPal's, you create the business account, you give them the EIN, your Venmo, you give them the EIN, your affiliates, all these things you want, you want the business to be collecting the revenue. And again, that's even more critical when you take your LLC and you talk to a tax advisor and you're like, it makes sense now that I go to the S corporation. You know, that's even more important in the, in the S corporation, but you've already started doing it in the LLC. So you're already, and again, your EIN doesn't change in that scenario when you're an LLC that just moves to the S corp status. So get in that habit. It's, it's super important that you get in the habit of you're in business, you're an LLC, you give everybody your EIN number. No longer do you give them your social. And that's also going to make life a lot easier for you when you do your bookkeeping because it's all flowing in. All your taxes have your, like you get any 1099s, <coughs> excuse me, any 1099s that get issued to you from any of the, your vendors, any revenue shares, any affiliates, any sponsors, they all have your employer tax ID number. And again, that's fraud protection as well. You want less people to have your personal social. And then the last thing on the list is very similar to what we just said with the taxes. You have a company name, use it, you know, like make that your branding. Obviously most people are going to probably do that one, but just make it a conscious thing to look around and make sure that your business is, is doing business. And so again, this gets deeper into the legal side to talk to a lawyer, but like your legal contracts, like all of that, it's gotta be your businesses, your business writing the, the contracts and things like that, not you personally. And again, so like a lot of these things, they need to be done consistently. <laughs> and the best way to think about it is, is what I said before. If you, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but when I heard a lawyer frame it this way, a lot of this became easier for me to even do myself because again, face it, a lot of this stuff is like anything in business. Like you, you want to know why you're doing it because you're like, Oh God, I'm just like dotting I's and crossing T's. And so you want to know why. And so it helps me to think like, okay, why am I doing all this? And when I hear it explained by smart lawyers, like you think about it in terms of like if you were getting sued, what would the opposing counsel, like what ammunition are you giving them? If your contracts all say your personal name on it and not your business, then they're make, you're giving them ammunition to say, well, how could this be a legitimate business if the contracts are in their personal name? You know, how could this be a legitimate business if the revenue is being paid to like their personal social and not the business tax ID number, you know, and then you're, you know, you're giving them opportunities to, to assume that your business is really not being treated like a business. So if you don't respect the entity that is it is there, why should they respect the entity's protection of you? And again, how the entities protect you and what the asset protections are, that's state by state, and that is that's a lawyer needs to tell you that. But I can just tell you that hopefully this is like a helpful episode because the 
the the quick recap is oftentimes people who sell LLCs have no business selling LLCs. They're not attorneys. They're not making sure that what they give you is in your best interest. They just give you an LLC. <laughs> and so when you move from the sole proprietorship world, a lot of times I think people potentially do it too soon. So they're really being budget conscious. And I get it. Like that's super important to try to increase your profit margin. But outsourcing legal work to non-legal professionals could end up giving you a bunch of landmines that you didn't anticipate because at least in the world of legal, world of insurance, like all that crap, when it comes to asset protection, it's like you you don't know what you the weaknesses you have until you need it. You know, like can't get fire insurance on your house after it burns down. That's too late. You know, so that's that's the same thing with uh, or say like, yeah, I can't get fire insurance when your house is on fire. I think that's the same. So th that's the same thing. You want to make sure you're sitting down with somebody who knows how these work, how the, your state's asset protection works, and what is required in your state to maintain that asset protection on an annualized basis. So the one, the last piece of information, give me a second, I just thought of this and then I lost my train of thought. Uh, okay. I remember now. So the, the other thing that I probably should have said in the beginning, but this is not necessarily something that you need to do in terms of maintenance, but something that you should consider in the beginning, especially again, this is why I really encourage you to sit down with a qualified attorney and even this is an area that I, I think attorneys mostly will know, but I'll say it anyway, you should be an LLC. Like if, if you're sitting down saying, where should I be an LLC? Now I live in Vegas, like I said earlier. So it's nice here because people are excited to build their LLC here because most people want to be in Nevada, Wyoming, Texas, Florida, Delaware. Like they hear all the States that they want to be in, but the state you should be in is the state you live in. And that's because it doesn't matter where your LLC is. You pay taxes in the state you live. And quite frankly, if you try to do it differently, it messes things up because you have to file in the state that you live and then in the state you don't live. And then you might be a foreign entity in, in one of the states. Like it just makes it messy and it doesn't really do what you think it does. Like all the California people that, hear that Nevada has no state tax. So they stay in Liberalville and put their company here. They still have to pay California taxes, but yet now they have filing fees in Nevada and California. It's again, you can just see like, it doesn't do what people think it does because there's no tax strategy to it. it you still pay the taxes. Now you just have your entity in a different state. So don't, go to these places like the legal zoom. And when they're like, well, where do you want your thing? And you just pick like Delaware or Nevada, because that's what someone said, like, Hey, there's no taxes there. That's not how it works for LLCs. I mean, you can do it, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> and again, a lawyer should hopefully stop you there. But 
I say that because a lot of, not all attorneys have the tax expertise. So they could, if you sit down and say, oh, I want to be in, L, in Nevada. And they're like, okay, that's a good idea because of X, Y, and Z. They might not be taking into consideration the tax side. They, Cause they can, obviously from a legal perspective, you could do it. Like there's things you can just far file your foreign entities in the States that it's necessary, like all that stuff. But from a tax perspective, you're, you're not going to evade the taxes in the state that you live in. And then on top of that, you're going to be incurring additional annual filing fees. So if the purpose is to keep your expenses down, that's different. The last point I want to highlight is about moving. And so if you're about, if you're especially, this is a more popular topic as I'm recording this, which is August of 2022, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, depending on when you listen to this, but inflation is really high right now. And there's been a lot of exodus from the high tax states, the Californias, New York, New Jersey. So, and that's for a number of reasons, but none, not on any short side from the taxes. If you're going down this road and you are saying to yourself, okay, I want to build my LLC. I'm going to take past advice. I'm going to make sure I hire a lawyer. And if, if you don't have one, reach out to me. I've, I got some really good ones that can help you. You, so you, you're sitting down and saying, I'm going to take Pat's advice. I'm going to do this right. I'm not going to just talk to the idiots on some like website who are not lawyers. And you're considering moving. You probably really want to have a conversation either with me or with specifically an attorney because here's the problem with moving. The term, the legal term is domestication. And when I moved from New Jersey to Nevada... I moved my entire business here. So my LLC moved here, the headquarters of my company. So I was registered with the uh, securities of New Jersey. And I had to move that to being regulated as my headquarters here in Nevada. So for me, if I had to change that EIN number, that would have been, I would have, I would have to start over from scratch because once the EIN changes from the regulatory perspective, I'm starting a brand new company. That's for me in finance. We're, we're highly regulated. So you guys don't necessarily have that. But New Jersey and Nevada, thankfully, allow what's called a domestication, which basically means my entire business, the tax ID, all of it stays the same. The same. And it just shifts from New Jersey to Nevada. Once everything was approved and everything was uh, up operational in Nevada, I was able to legally have my attorney close the or dissolve the LLC in New Jersey. But it the domestication is the term for transferring. Now, I say that because not all states allow that. And that's a big problem I'm gonna, for and you can kind of guess some of the states that aren't so cool with it, California. And it's going to vary again. You have to talk to a lawyer because some states allow domestications, but the place you're going doesn't. Or they allow it, but not from that state. You know, like, so it's, it all, it all gets sort of very situational is what I'm saying. Cause I believe, again, obviously not a lawyer. I've said that probably half a dozen times in this. I believe like 30 some states are totally cool with this moving process, which obviously leaves, you know, 15 to 20 that are not cool with it. 
or or make it complicated if it's like an S corp or something like that. Some S corps aren't able to be transferred, so again, the LLC could transfer. But just if you're planning on moving and you're in the process of considering an LLC, specifically have that conversation with the attorney because that might be a situation where again, like I said, you put the LLC where you live because there's a tax advantage. But like, cause I I've had this come up. So I know it fresh in my head that like California to Texas, it's a lot of problems sometimes moving the, especially with S corps and stuff like that. So if, if that's, if you're in that boat and you're like, all right, I'm about to move from wherever, it doesn't matter about to move from California to Nevada or California to Texas or New York to Florida or New York to California, whatever. But if, if that's the case for you, make sure you specifically talk to your attorney and say, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to be moving to Wyoming or California or Nevada in the next couple of years. Cause then they might, they, they would, if they're good, they'll look and say, all right, well, they're not going to let you domesticate this, this LLC. So I'm going to register you in that state and you know, you're still going to pay double taxes until you live, not double, but you'll still pay taxes in the high tax state if that's where you currently are. But if we're going to build all this process, you don't want to have to change it. So, so that's one of the reasons that it would potentially make sense to have it in a different state if you plan on going there. Because again, not all states allow what's called domestication, which basically boils down to you get to keep your tax ID number, meaning so all the bank accounts you started, all the companies that you're working with that have your EIN number as uh, tied to your revenue, all of that, it can all stay the same. Or if you're in a situation where they don't allow it, the process of getting up in the new state and then dissolving, most states charge you to dissolve the LLC as well. So, and not to mention most lawyers, it's a lot of paperwork to move you from one state to another. So they're going to charge you for the time to let the new state know what you're doing, get up and running, fully domesticate it, dissolve the old one. So just do some strategic planning. Like if you, again, if you plan on moving, have that conversation with your legal professional, maybe loop in your tax professional as well, because it's, it's really both people that are involved there because the tax person they were smart to like put your LLC where you live. And then the lawyer would say, you know, put it in this state because you're going to move there. So it's, it's a conversation to have upfront. It'll save you a lot of money than, you know, just waiting and be like, all right, I'm ready to be an LLC in California. And then six months later, you're moving to Nevada. Now you got to ask a lawyer if that's doable. And if not start the process all, all over again. So, so just to recap, the main things that we talked about that you should be aware of on an annualized basis is again, like you need that articles of corporation. You need your operating agreement. You need to not commingle. So make sure you have your separate accounts and you need to, on an annualized basis, renew your entity. You have to be, your entity has to stay good every year. And then you also need to do your, your meeting minutes, which again is a, is a benefit because it gives you another opportunity to have a legitimate business expense to have a meeting. Again, with yourself, highly recommend having a board of advisors. So if these are your friends or family and you're, you're meeting with them anyway, occasionally make them legitimate business meetings and take notes. Like you can't just 
call it a business meeting, like take notes, have some conversations, have some takeaways, document that you sign it, have other people sign it if you like, and then store it. It's good for your business. It's good for taxes. It's good for your asset protection strategy. It's good for everything. So hopefully this is helpful. If it is, uh, please do me a favor, share this with a friend. If you got any buddies out there in the fitness community that you've, you know, they're kicking around getting an LLC. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm happy to talk to them or share this episode with them. You can tag me if you like. It's uh, on Instagram is where I'm most active at the Pat Darby. And uh, hope you have a great week. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.